The thing that's different for me about this relationship than any other previous relationship is actually me within the relationship and the fact that I am willing to look at the things that I need to change. And you came along at a point where I wanted to change. And they say that when the pupil's ready, the teacher appears and you're my teacher. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in, let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Welcome to another episode of Awakened Love. And today, finally, (laughs) I have Patrick Drake co-founder of HelloFresh, presenter on Nat Geo, Fox and Discovery, and the founder of Autonomy Foods, but most importantly, my husband. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Everyone's been wondering when I was going to be invited on. Yeah. Well, he he did so a little bit reluctantly, but he said, if it's important to you, then I'll do it. (laughs) So here he is. And we are going to play a game. We, um, have no affiliation. I'm not like advertising this at all, but we just bought Esther Perel's We're Not Really Stranger Couples Edition card set. And when we're eating, we often pull cards and we just play. And the other day we were doing it and I was like, man, we should do a podcast episode on this. This would be really fun. And he was like, (laughs) but here he is. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to pull these cards. I'm going to answer these questions and give you a little window into our love. Did you ever stalk my social media before we met? If so, what stood out? Well, I didn't. We met on a dating app. Um, no, wait. Right connected to social media, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then I definitely did. But the funnier answer to that is I never Googled you until we lived together when we were dating. Then I was like, I'm going to Google you because I'd never Googled you. <laughs> And then you had Google alerts on. So you said something about it that night. You were like, oh, someone Googled something. I was like, oh, that's so weird. I don't know who. (laughs) (laughs) I never told you that. It was me. (laughs) Did you stalk me on social media? I I didn't. I don't remember stalking on social media. I think I was just pretty convinced by the the photos I saw on uh, on that dating app. And... um, she had a a skinhead basically like a, a head like a like her hair was about as short as a tennis ball it was like yeah it was and like a number it was like a zero it was yeah. the number one like very a short a little bit of fuzz and um and i just thought wow this this girl looks kind of freaky and looks like she'd be a lot of fun to hang out with and I wasn't wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what did your friends think about me when we first started dating well, two of my girlfriends met you in that period and only two of them because one was LJ. Hi, LJ. Actually, and both of them are pregnant right now, mm-hmm. which I can say because they've both announced. But um, so LJ and Courtney, two of my best girlfriends from Australia, both met you. Courtney was at Burning Man with us, which is when we fell in love. And LJ was in London with us. LJ was on our first date, actually. <laughs> I brought LJ with us because I was like, I don't know. I met this guy online. He seems awesome, but he could be a serial killer. Come with me. Um, And they loved you. They were just, they both really, I remember LJ, I had this moment where I was like, I don't even know if this guy likes me. She's like, what are you fucking talking about? Look at what he does. Cause I'm like, I don't know. He hasn't like said anything. He hasn't like expressed. And she's like, 
yeah, but what is he doing? He's showed up. Like the one time I expressed, I didn't, um, we like had a little bit of friction. You called me immediately to iron it out. You like followed up, like you were super present. She was just like, look at his actions. And then Courtney, I remember the de- the night you came to find me at Burning Man and you'd left a note on my RV because we Courtney and I were out on some wild adventure, which is a, another story entirely. But um, we came back and the note was on the, the door and she looked at me and she said, keep that note. And I was like, you know, on another planet. And I was like, yeah, whatever, why? And she's like, she like grabbed me and she was like, you need to keep this note. Mark my words, you were going to want to keep this note. Did you? I did, but we had a house fire, so I lost it. But I did keep the note. But it, And then you found me the next morning while I was squeezing my zit in our RV. <laughs> it's, it's not exactly the moment you want the person you're dating to catch you in, but anyways. Um, so, yeah, they were both helped me stay clear when I was, like, unsure or, you know, like all the anxious or, like, uncertainty and emotions and hormones and everything that's flying around like they were both very like steady and anchored in the fact that they felt like this was important and that you were going to be I think they both believed like you were it maybe even before I was willing to admit nice yeah I've always trusted the judgment (laughs) they know what they're talking about (laughs) and your friends well I I never ask my friends and I've, I've never asked a friend before about like what do you think of this person because it's, it's not it's not really relevant to me it's like <laughs> if I like you then then that's the most important and but what I will say and what I do remember is that around the time when we first met you sent me a little text message around midnight and said oh I just Happens to be in the neighborhood. Oh no! Don't tell this story. Can I come? Can I, can <laughs> it's I come, not the story can I come over and say hi? Anyway, <laughs> I'll I'll skip the details. But the next morning, my brother, who was happened to be staying over, walks into the room, and all he sees is this bum sticking out the side of the bed and the back of a of a of a shaved head, and he thought. Who the f- is Patrick in bed with? <laughs> that's what my brother thought. He was like, and "That's how I met your brother." That's how he met my brother. He was like, "Whoa, whoa! I don't think I'm meant to see this." Um, but that wow. was, yeah, that was that was that was the first time my brother met you. What about Felix? Felix was at the Burning Man. Felix, well, yeah, his impression of you was you're the most you're the, you're the hottest cleaning lady he'd ever seen. Because <laughs> I think the first time Felix saw you was when he walked into the RV in which Felix and I were staying and you actually were staying too, as it turns out, <laughs> um, even though your RV was over the other side of the plier. And, uh, and, and as I recall, you were on your hands and knees. Um, wiping dust. Wiping dust off the floor in, um, in kind of essentially like bondage underwear. Bondage gear, dominatrix yeah. kit. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that Felix thought... You're pretty awesome. He, he, he had a very, very strong first impression, and I don't think he's ever forgotten that yeah. because he seems he never to bring lets, it up quite a lot. He never lets me forget it. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so yeah, I didn't really have to tell my friends what I thought of you because they could make their own impressions. Basically, the needed no introduction. Yeah. <laughs> About to get deep, y'all. 
What fight of ours did you struggle with most? What felt particularly hard for you about it? Um. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm nervous. <laughs> I think that any fight that we have, honestly, is the, the the bigger ones are always hard because we're both, um, you know, we both we both like to win, <laughs> and um, and we both can be a little like a dog with a bone, and and so. Yeah, neither of us really, you know, for, for, yeah, neither of us will back down. Although I'll say that we've got a lot better at that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, in previous fights, certainly in the kind of first 80% of our relationship, the thing that I would find I would come up against is that we'd be arguing about a certain point, but the point itself would get lost because the thing that we would end up arguing about was the way we were arguing in and specifically the way I was arguing and the words I was using, <laughs> the language I was using, because it wasn't conscious communication. And so I thought, okay, right, I, I, I see. So I will learn conscious communication <laughs> so that I have a greater chance of winning the argument. Mm. And so that's that's that was my initial motivation for learning the rules, your rules of the game. And then, of course, I went to the Hoffman process a few months ago and I came out and I realized, oh, OK, no, actually, I, I actually do want to consciously communicate because I want to get through this quicker and repair more quickly. And uh, and so, yeah, I didn't. I didn't then just use those those words and that language to win, but but actually, well, for us both to win, in the sense that winning is coming back together mm -hmm. and um, and reconnecting. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that that's improved things. Mm, yes, it really has, my love, and I'm so so grateful to you for that. I remember the first time you pulled me up on conscious communication, and I was like, oh my god, thank you. And are you reading Conscious Loving? <laughs> How do you know that? Um, yeah, I think that... Conscious Loving and Terry Real. And Terry Real, yeah. A fierce intimacy. Um, yeah, I just couldn't... I was so astounded when you... I think it was just before Hoffman or maybe when you got back and you had just started reading those books quietly and didn't even tell me when I'd been asking for so long. And I just stopped asking. And then eventually, yeah, like after Hoffman and before you just quietly went about implementing and it's been so incredible yeah to feel you in that with me because I remember what I would struggle with in our arguments is is I would feel you not using conscious communication and then I would just be like well fuck it I just want to say whatever the hell I want to say too but then I would be worried because I was had more anxious attachment so I wanted to preserve the connection more but then I would feel like I would um the frustration would continue because I wouldn't feel like I got to get my point across or I would just stop using conscious communication and we would just have an all-out battle 
And you're right. Like it, it, in our worst moments, you and I turn into two attorneys in the courtroom and you are an Oxford educated lawyer and I'm a scrappy, like I would be like the, <laughs> what would I be? The attorney that's like not playing by the rules. So like, the attorney that they bring in for free when the criminal's been brought into the jail and just like this <laughs> like little scrappy pit fighter, just like the public defender, you know? Yeah, for sure. Fighting for justice. <laughs> That's your thing. You love justice. I do love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. That's hard. Yeah. When we're both stuck in rightness. Um, yeah. I think what I struggle with when we fight the most, and it's gotten a lot better, is when I would um, lose both, not lose access to your heart when I would feel you just disappear. And also when I lose access to my own heart, like when I, like that's the hardest part for me. I feel like my ability to love is my greatest gift and the way that I love and the veracity with which I love and the relentlessness with which I love. And when I'm in a space of such distress or um, trigger that I lose access to your love and my love, feeling my heart or your heart, um, it's that's so heartbreaking and sucks so much. Um, yeah, that's I think the thing I struggle the most with is not being able to feel you or feel me if I get numb. That's like the worst thing for me. Um, but yeah, I'm so so grateful to you, my love, for your willingness to keep learning with me and feeling you in it with me now. Like the last, I'd say, six months, we went through the hardest year in our relationship by far I would say from you know the end of last year until probably yeah around June would you say started to pop out um been together six years and yeah we 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 really like in the beginning of our relationship was hard and then we kind of had this like just amazing like such best friends get along so well love the fuck out of each other never get sick of each other like obsessed with each other and then we went through this really really dark night of the soul as a couple and like all of my trauma resurfaced and all of your trauma resurfaced and it's like shit got really hard really fast and the thing i'm so grateful for is that you lent the fuck in you went to hoffman you started reading the books you like you like strapped in and it was so important for me because I couldn't hold it at that point. I couldn't hold the conscious, like hold conscious communication for us and hold the line of like, let's repair and hold. I just couldn't hold it anymore. And I like needed you to help me and you did. Um, so yeah, thank you, baby. In what way is this relationship unlike any other before? <laughs> so many ways. Do I have to answer first? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the thing I just said, that you have the capacity to self-reflect and actually implement change. That was such a shock for me when we first got in our relationship and I would like make a request to you or give you feedback in some way. And you might have like been a bit gruff about the way I had like not, I felt you didn't receive it. I was like, yeah, well, here we go again. Men never receive feedback. Dad, is that you? <laughs> men. Um, I typically dated men who were very self-centered and like really refused to implement feedback and ever look at their own part in anything ever. And you would implement it. And then I would see that like it, I didn't think it landed, but then like the next hour, the next day, the next week, like you would implement the change. And I was like, huh, that's new. So yeah, I think the fact that you're willing to grow with me the way you are and that you're willing to, although it's not always 
not always your favorite thing. Like you do take feedback on and you do um, implement. That's totally different. I've never had that in a relationship before. Yeah, I just don't like being told what to do. I like to <laughs> men to, love that though. I, I thought like to, men love that. <laughs> not this funny. <laughs> I like to be able to do things. Generally, if I can, I like to be able to do them before I've been asked. Because mm-hmm. the little child in me feels like it gets more credit that way because it's done a good it's done a good thing. I've been a good boy. Mm-hmm. When I'm being told to do something, it feels like an obligation. So I suppose I can see that that I'll resist for a little while and then I'll get to a point where I think, okay, if I start doing this now, it feels like I'm doing it under my own steam. Mm-hmm. I have to tell myself this little story because the little unruly child in me is still very uh, alive and mm-hmm. kicking. Totally. Kicking against authority. Yeah. The thing that's different for me about this relationship than any other previous relationship is actually me within the relationship and the fact that I am willing to look at the things that I need to change. And you came along at a point where I wanted to change. And they say that when the pupil's ready, the teacher appears and you're my teacher. And And you're you're mine. You're a teacher that has a you know, a, a wooden ruler in your hand. <laughs> you give me a little smack every so often <laughs> when I'm misbehaving and I'm talking at the back and not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, you've kind of helped me to account. And, you know, ultimately, the truth is that I just, you're so incredible that I, I want to work for this, like, because you're, you're so important to me. You're everything to me. So the stakes are so high. I, 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 I adore you. And so I want to make, I want to make it work. And, you know, as painful as that can be sometimes to push against lifetimes of patterning. Um, yeah, you inspire that in me. So thank you. I love you. You've definitely helped me get better at giving feedback too. <laughs> now I feel like I have to be very artful with it, whereas before I was like a blunt instrument. Yeah, I, I think you've learned that there's, you know, there there are certain set of circumstances that need to precede feedback, and usually <laughs> those circumstances are to do with me having eaten. <laughs> and, and, and if I have, then or not being in the car, I'm not, not allowed to give feedback the, when we're driving. Mm, because then I feel like a, 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 a cornered animal yeah. that can't get out. I literally can't. I mean, I like sometimes I, I, I'd consider it at 40 miles an hour going up a mountain road because of how intense the conversations are. But, it, you know. Why do you just like segue? Why do you think it's so hard for men to take feedback? Because like think about me, like how often do you give feedback since we've been the beginning of being together? And how would you say I receive feedback? I can't talk for, yeah, you're good at taking feedback and. Um, okay. Well, why is feedback been hard for you? But I just think, no, like why it seems to I, be harder for men. I think because there's a lot of pressure put on boys mm-hmm. to be perfect and to be, not, not that there isn't on, on girls too. Of course there is. So much pressure on women to but, be perfect. Uh, but I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I can, I can, 
I don't know. It's so many different things. So there could be the child that is that is told that it needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And and so any kind of indication from a partner in later life that they're, they're imperfect and they need to work on something is, you know, cut straight across that. It could be that um, obeying authority wasn't modeled to you as a child. So mm-hmm. let's say that your caregivers were people who were rebellious spirits themselves and showed no respect for authority um maybe that's something that would pattern you i feel like i have a bit of both of those it's super interesting to feel like if someone's giving you feedback then you see them as being an authority figure you know yeah because it's like that that i'm not an authority figure to you i'm your your wife but it's well, that's I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might, you are somewhat of an authority <laughs> And you to me, though, do you not say that you're an authority figure to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then if I'm an authority to you and you're an authority to me, then that's that. Yeah, you're just better at, at, at taking it. I, I I just, I don't know, again, it's just that little kid in me that just will not be told what to do. Um, Which also I love about you because that's also why you've done what you've been able to do in your life because you're a radical, you're a rebel, you're a revolutionary. If you just took what everyone told you you had to do in life, like follow that track, welcome to the matrix, and you have never done that, you're a radical, you're, I always say you're a visionary, like I'm going to do this, I'm going to create this, and people, you know, and you manage to rally people around you to create that. So there is a benefit to that, the part of you that's like, Hell no, don't tell me what to do. I love that part of you. Yeah, I just I just wouldn't I just I won't be put in a box and and I don't want other people to be either. That's why I want to bring people along on the journey because mm-hmm. it's a cliche to say you only get one life and it's not a dress rehearsal and all these things. But cliches are cliches for a reason. There's so much truth in it. And I just yeah, being told this is the way it needs to be done because this is the way it's always been done mm-hmm. is so abhorrent to me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've always thought of it as this cult of mediocrity that tries to suck you into doing things the way you should do them. And and should is actually a word that I always try and eliminate from, from my vocabulary anyway. It says there are no shoulds. It's just, you know. You should do what you want to do. (laughs) Well, yeah, what your higher self wants you to do, not your conditioned self. But And that's the thing about relationship, right, is like to hold up that mirror and keep each other accountable to our potential. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, yeah, that's that's the important piece here, y'all. And what I've learned with feedback is to start with feelings, (laughs) my feelings, and that seems to work better. Mm -hmm. What's one way our relationship has gotten better over time? I think that we just know each other better and there's a level of safety um, and trust uh, between us that that is, you know, it's so strong. I mean, we've forged our relationship in so much fire, both real fire <laughs> and, and the fire of going through very hard things, the hardest things, or at least some of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and we've come out the other side and, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. I think that we're, we're really, we're just such a good team. Like we're really, and we're very in sync with each other. We know, 
we just you know there's a there's a there's a very high level of nonverbal communication where we just understand what the other needs and mm-hmm. we're able to step in and and meet those needs mm. perhaps even before the other knows that in fact this is the thing that they do need yeah uh so i think i think that just a, a level of knowing that is so far beyond the verbal mm. Yeah, my mentor always says that to me. She's like, you know what I don't hear clients say very often? My husband is so attuned, which I say, <laughs> you are very attuned. And typically women are very attuned. So it's like so, I'm so grateful for your level of attunement and energetic sensitivity. Um, and but I think that that comes from childhood, right? That's yeah. A, that's, that's one of those things where it's... Hypervigilance. Vi- yeah, vigilance. Yeah. Is- that's the gift of it. Uh-huh, Yeah. Yeah. But not everyone goes into vigilance or sensitivity. Some people go into shutdown and and there's even gifts to that, weirdly, like the capacity to compartmentalize can, you know, it's like all of our curses can become gifts. But I'm grateful that we share that hypervigilance slash sensitivity when we're in our highest. And also I think what comes from that is we understand each other. Like I I'm very sensitive and you're sensitive, you have a sensitive nervous system as well. Like and we and I remember when I first met you you actually taught me how to take care of being sensitive because I was just like fucking in such chaos and you created such order um, in your life. You had such structure in your life that allowed you to feel safe and like at like a great baseline and you kind of gave me me that. And I think, yeah, so grateful for that. But to answer the question, how has our relationship gotten better over time? I just think the tr- the trust, like you're saying, just the trust and, and the safety, you can't, um, you need time for that. Like you said, you have to go through some shit to really see who someone is. Like we have seen each other uh, like in our fucking worst. And even this last year when we went through hell together, I was still so proud of the way we treated each other, even at our worst our worst, 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 I'm talking worst, 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 our worst level baseline of decency towards one another is pretty fucking high. And that is something we've earned together over time to be like, we can go through that and show our darkest demons and go through such tough times and be in so much pain and fear and trauma and still treat each other with like that basic level of decency. And like that we earned over time mm-hmm. because, yeah, you, you just can't, I don't know, you just can't have to go through some shit to figure, to, to, to get that. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I think that you've got to understand that you're going to go through that. And, and I think that's the thing is breaking through the honeymoon period and seeing the other person for who they really are rather than who you're. <laughs> projecting onto them you know this this idealized image of who they are and all the gaps in your life that they can fill for you Mm. and getting to that point and as as everyone does and you know that's oftentimes the breaking point for many people because they're like oh wait you're not you're not this person that i believed and there's all these things we need to figure out and if you're willing to push through that then yeah on the other side is is the relationship that you want and and the person that you want and the person that you want yourself to be as well. 
like that's that's actually figured that stuff out yeah it's like these relational skills that you kind of have to earn your way into through practice and I think the sad thing is most relationships end because people don't have the relational skill to get through the hard times that are going to come and it's not just innate like it's not just natural these things you do have to read the books you do have to go to therapy or coaching or like you you, it's not innate it's not automatic we've had to learn these skills together to get through and are still learning Mm. I think that's important to know for people it's like and if you can get yourself a coach as a partner (laughs) it's like a clutch it's it's great you know, you just, your your entire relationship becomes a case study uh, that you can work out every single day in every single moment and it's it's really it's really wonderful if you want to actualize folks you heard it here first okay level three what could other couples learn from us this feels a little self-indulgent but I didn't ask the question, the box did. <laughs> so, That's not, your British conditioning, baby. I'm not saying that I'm about to teach anybody anything. Um, I think that I remember Britain said to us once, Britain's one of our um, best friends. Shout out to Nick and Britain. She was like, you guys are so polite to each other. Like even, and I'd never noticed that before, but she was like, even when like, I'm like, my love, can you please pass me the blah, blah on the table? That's how I ask you, my love, can you please pass me the salt? Yes, absolutely. And like, we're very, (laughs) but what that, what the word polite, I would switch for conscientious. And it's like such an undervalued quality in our modern society. But you and I, as a couple towards one another, are really fucking conscientious. We really think about how our actions and our words are going to impact each other, what's going to make each other's day easier. If we made each other's day a little harder, how can we rectify it? Like there's, There's a level of thoughtfulness and conscientious attitude that we bring to our relationship of like treating each other really well, speaking to each other really well, taking care of each other. Like you take such good care of me. I take such good care of you. And we really, I think I put a lot of effort in, I know you put a lot of energy into being like, I want you to feel really well considered and taken care of. And I know the things that make you feel that way. And I make sure to do them, whether I want to do them or not, like whether it's fun, fast or easy to do it or not, it's, that doesn't matter. You know, I don't, and I'm, we don't just like speak to each other in a curt like way. We really, yeah, we're very conscientious and thoughtful. Mm. And I think people, especially if you've been together a long time, been together six years, lose that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say that, I don't know if this is something that um, other couples could learn from us, but it's just something that I think that we do extremely well and I touched on it before, which is that we're just very good at picking up the slack for each other. And Mm. we're just very good at seeing when that other person is uh, lacking capacity for whatever it might be, be it uh, something that's deep and emotional or just making the bed in the morning, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. Like you did this morning for me and you do most mornings. Well, I do most mornings yeah. because I think our unwritten agreement is that the person who gets out of bed last has to make the bed. Yep. That's basically <laughs> me every, every day. Because, and, that, and there's a reason for that. It's because I'm like, I get out of bed last because I'm like, why would I get out of bed first? If she's not out of bed, then what am I going to do? my playmate's not up so it's like you know know. (laughs) he says that and yet his morning routine is so sacred i'm not allowed to come anywhere near him when he's first up he's got to have his time together and 
I love getting up out of bed first because my spiritual practice I love doing in total silence. I don't use music. I don't use anything. So there's no creaking or anything in the house. But, um, yeah, whoever gets out of bed last. And, yes, we do pick, it, pick up each other's slack. Even you doing this podcast for me. I knew you were, like, not that excited to do it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I had two guests cancel and I don't have one and I really I need to do one. And I was just sharing vulnerably with you and you were like, you, you, you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, you have a million other things you, you need to do today, but you were generous and, and so here you are. Yeah. I think, I think that's just that, that's, the, that's maybe the learning point is, is just to be able to look at your partner and think in this given moment, do they have the capacity to do this thing that I'm either asking them to do, or maybe I'm not asking them to do, I'm just silently expecting them to do. And, <laughs> and really, like, really feeding into that question. And and if the answer is no, then it's saying right. I'm going to do it. For, I'm going to do this for them or for us or or for us. And or you know, do they just need cheering up? Mm-hmm. Do I need to? Do I need to be the entertainer right now? Do <laughs> I need to be? Do I need to be the life and soul of the party to mm-hmm. bring the energy up because this person's in a little bit of a rut? Mm-hmm. And you know, that might be acting silly, mm-hmm. putting certain music on. Mm-hmm. Starting to, I don't know, like we do in the car when we just start shaking and going, <laughs> and just acting all fucking weird yeah. because we know that the other person kind of needs to just smile yeah. or let the tension out of their body, whatever it is. And so it's just like, you know, yeah, help, yeah. like leading the other person. So I love that. When I'm mad and I'm venting to him and I'm like, rah, 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 he's like, yeah, fuck that person. And you like turn the energy up like by 50% so that I laugh at myself because I realize I'm being like in that energy and you're like, yeah, fuck them up. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like, I'm, and we just laugh together. Or if you're in like a bit of a grumpy mood after work and we're going to the gym, then yeah, I'll put like funny music on and I'll be like super animated. And it's like, whichever one doesn't have, we kind of like it's an unspoken thing we do, we pick mm. up. Or if we're going to an event and one of us is not feeling good, it's like the other one picks up the energy. It's like, we, it's like we're a team and we're an energetic unit. And if you don't have, then, then like I or vice versa, like someone has to hold. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to hold the baby. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. There has to be one adult in the room at all times. Yeah, sometimes there's not. And that's when shit really hits the fan, honey. <laughs> When was the last time you felt really lucky to be my significant other? Get specific. All the time doesn't count. Frankly, the other night when you made one of my absolute favorite dinners <laughs> and and we sat down with that dinner and we watched a show together and I just thought to myself, holy shit, like not only can she cook the most amazing food, but we're so aligned on the simple pleasures in life mm-hmm. i i feel so lucky every time that we're just enjoying something that's a simple pleasure and i just think wow i really met a person who who is so on the same wavelength that you know we just we just love we just love the little things in life and <clears throat> we can celebrate that and that's that's it's it's so it's so awesome it's just so like you know, to know that, yeah, just 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 to feel that kind of alignment, just I just feel very blessed. Bless it. Yeah, I think I I always feel lucky to be a partner when you make me laugh, and you do that often. Like, 
I can't remember what we were laughing about yesterday in the car. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Is it? Well, what were we laughing about? About the neighbour. Oh, yeah, about the neighbour. <laughs> You're just so funny. Yeah, we had a crusty neighbour and we just started, like, making jokes about imagine if I wrote back this and imagine if I wrote back that instead of, like, Patrick, who's such an amazing diplomat and, thank God, takes care of that for our team because I'm less of a diplomat and <laughs> more of a randy little chihuahua. Um and you just made me laugh. Or like the other day we're in Home Depot and we're doing something super boring and I'm like standing there and I think I call you. I'm like, hey, do you want to come to this this um, section to look at the blah, blah? And you're like, you know what? I would absolutely love to. And so, I don't know, you just said something super funny and I'm just like standing there by myself cracking up in aisle 10 waiting for you to come. And I'm just like, I always feel so lucky to be your significant other when you're making me laugh. And we laugh so often and I remember once I said to you I think we were in Italy I was like people must just think you're so funny because I'm always laughing so hard and you were like yeah or that you're an alcoholic and I was just like where did I find you you're so funny and you just come out out of nowhere with the with just the laughs and I'm I I feel so lucky to be your wife because whether we're in Home Depot or we're having a fight or I'm like getting revved up about something and you just crack a joke and it makes me laugh. And I'm so grateful of how often you make me laugh because laughing is probably my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Mm-hmm. I've gathered that. <laughs> and it's not that hard. Or like Diego, when like whose husband, when I'm feeling like super like, oh, I don't want to work out, but I, ha- I know I really need to move my body after work. And I'm like, will you do a bar class with me? And you're like, yeah, babe, sure. And you like come and you're like doing all the moves. So funny. And I'm like looking at you just fucking cracking up. And then you're on the mats and like <laughs> your back is making a fart sound with like every move. Like I've never met anyone whose back makes that many fart sounds. <laughs> I'm just like, and now I can't do a bar class by myself. I did one yesterday. And I was like, this just is not the same without the alter with, ego. Without Diego, Diego, the flatulent bar class instructor. <laughs> It's just an alter ego. It's a, it's a game we play. Um, yeah. Oh, my it's a God. Whole thing. In your Ooh. opinion, in your opinion, how am I holding myself back the Ooh. most? Shots wow. fired. <laughs> you asked for spice. Here we go. Oh, wait, I have to answer first. Mm. Damn it. I thought you were going to have to answer first. Ooh, Okay. Sometimes I don't think you celebrate yourself enough. I feel like, or you forget, and I remind you, other days not, but like who the fuck you are and what the fuck you have done in this life and what you have already created. And like, sometimes I think you forget that in moments and don't we fucking all, but like, yeah, that realizing and remembering in all moments your greatness and I guess I'm extremely biased because I'm your wife but I believe you are an except I mean you are an exceptional human being uh, emotionally spiritually but also like what you've done the the things you've created in this life the businesses you've built the blocks you've blasted through to do what you've done yet it took it has taken and continues to take so much fucking courage to do what you do and I don't think you recognize that all the time to be like holy fuck 99.9% of people would never take the risks and have the courage and continue and the perseverance to do what I do, to live the life that you live and to create the life that you have for you and for us. It's like that I think is the thing that holds you back the most is when you forget that. Mm. 
Mm. that even on your worst days, you're still a fucking badass. Mm. Thanks, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, I think it's just a common trait, isn't it? You, like it's, you know, I'll, I'll cook a meal for, for, you know, a bunch of people come over or, or for you. And, and I won't think for a second about the 99.5% of that meal that's incredible mm -hmm. as the people at the table are hopefully thinking. I'll just think about the fact that I didn't put a squeeze of lemon juice in it. Mm -hmm. So I'll always focus on the thing that I haven't done. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's just, that's just, yeah, it's just the way, that's just the way it goes. But I could get better at it. Um, how do I think that you're holding yourself back? I mean, it's it's it, it's genuinely difficult to answer that. Like, if if there was something I could point to, like, oh, I think you know you have a lack of self belief, or I think you could do more of this or less of that. You know, then, then you know that that make things easy. But really, you're the most ferociously growth oriented person I know, and so. <laughs> If there was ever anything that you felt was holding yourself back, you would just drive straight at it <laughs> in your freaking tank with the guns <laughs> like on the full attack mode. Maybe there's just, something in that. Um, and so I, I just, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that I can think of that holds you back. It just feels like you're, you're kind of attacking all of the things. And you're always growing. Um, and that might sound like a cop-out answer and one where I'm just being biased, but. Well, maybe there's something about my pro approach that you just look at me growth-oriented. I'm like, come on, give me some, give me some. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's, 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 that's all I got. There's got to be one thing that you see that I do that like could be refined, no? I think I think that that it's something that you have been working on since we were um, first dating, and mm -hmm. that's just softening. Yeah, and I think you've come so far in that sense, like letting your guard down where appropriate, mm -hmm. and uh, letting people in, trusting, um, and softening. And letting other people take the reins mm. and not feeling like a constant obligation that you have to be the leader, you have to be the one who's caretaker, caretaker, the one who's diving in to fix a situation, whatever it might be, um, that you have to be your sole protector. Mm -hmm. I think being able to basically do the the backwards trust dive, mm -hmm. you know, falling into other people's arms. Mm. That's something that I've seen you get so much better at, infinitely better at uh, as, as over the course of our six years. And I think that, you know, it's something that I can see you continually pushing at and opening up new levels of, of surrender as i say where that surrender is appropriate mm. yeah. yeah you gave me that feedback i think probably two years ago 
I never forget. I love feedback. And you, it was a similar thing. We were exploring, I think it was New Year's, and you said, you need to ask for help. You don't ask for help. You have all these people around you that could help you. Like, ask. And remember, that was my tool mm. for that year. Yeah. Was to ask. Yeah. Because I, I was like, oh, my God, you're right. I never fucking ask for help. And it sucks. And I'm exhausted. And, um, and when you did. Yeah. Actually, you know, wow. it's really interesting to track that in this moment and realize because people have asked, you know, I coach a lot of other coaches and facilitators and they ask like, you know, with your business and how did that happen? And there are a few things that happened, but one thing I haven't actually tracked is when you gave me that feedback and I started asking for help, I found my mentor, I found my spiritual teacher. It took a couple of years of practicing asking for help. I I extended my reach, I my business like quadrupled from asking for help. Mm-hmm. And that's just one metric, obviously my personal life and like now having mentors and teachers that I can trust and lean on, like, oh my God, exponentially and like the amount of healing I've been able to do. But yeah, that that piece, because you shared that with me, has been so um helpful. It's it's actually, yeah, changed my life being able to ask for help. And I think it's the realization that when you do ask people for help, especially as a person who never normally does that, particularly that kind of personality type you are giving that person a gift, which is the gift of feeling like they can be useful to you since you're always being useful to other people. Mm. And when you can't let help in, it puts this barrier around you where people don't feel, they don't feel your vulnerability and they don't feel like they can really connect with you because you're, because when I say you, I, I mean, I'm talking in a general sense, one can be untouchable and yeah, somewhat, somewhat, you know, isolated in this seeming sense of being independence, independence. Yeah. yeah. Like an island, being an island. Yeah. And so, you know, letting people onto the island mm-hmm. is a beautiful gift to those people. And I, and I, and I've seen that for you is that the, when you opened up the, the borders and started stamping people's passports, <laughs> they came and they loved that island. And yeah. 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 That's trauma, right? It's like, we, we forget that there's an adult in the room now that can discern and read those passports when you're a kid and you don't have a choice and you don't have safety and you just have to figure out how to survive in that. And you don't feel like anyone's going to, anyone, no one's coming to help you. There's, mm. you know, the little girl in me was like, well, what's the point in asking for help? No one's coming. Mm-hmm. So I became the help. Yeah. And then as I get older, I'm learning to teach that little girl that that was true then, but it's not true now. Mm-hmm. And there are people here that can help and that will want to help. And that there's now an adult in the room, me, who can actually discern who is safe and who is not safe and who deserves access instead of just saying all access denied. <laughs> I've just got this <laughs> image of you previously and you got you built your little castle on the island and mm-hmm. you've got your little like gun turrets all around the beaches and, and then you know you swept all of that away and now you're just like there with a tray of margaritas <laughs> on the jetty, like hey, welcome. Come, welcome to the island. Let's go. <laughs> it's come way on more over. fun. Come on over well, it was the same for you, baby. You had a moat around that heart of yours. And I was just relentless. You were. Sat at the door saying, you in there? 
I love you. Hello. I'm not going anywhere, by the way. I'm still here. <laughs> I made some snacks if you want to come out. <laughs> and look at him now, folks. I love you, baby. Thank you for doing this with me. I love you. So if you're listening and you want to find more of this amazing man and the work that he's doing in the world, then you should go and follow him at Autonomy Foods, A-U-T-O-N-O-M-E-F-O-O-D-S. Look at that. I can spell Autonomy Foods on Instagram. If you want to try all the amazing concoctions this human being is creating and how to start your day and flow state. And also if you're an entrepreneur and you're interested in that. And just hearing about this amazing human story who the hero's journey, this man truly is on a hero's journey. So thanks for being my husband. (laughs) My pleasure. More soon. Bye. That's it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.